Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right, five-day challenge five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. What's up, guys? I am heading into my office this morning and wanted to film our five minute rant on this topic of what you see is not what you get. What you see is not what you get. Here's what I mean by that. The pain that you are going through in general, like I want to give you a framework to help you understand the pain that you are in potentially right now. Uh, you might be a guy who is facing divorce. You might be a guy who's just here at the empowered man because he wants to learn more about marriage. He wants to be a better husband, better father, etc. Either way, all of us have pain. And that pain, if not dealt with properly, ends up becoming something that is worse than it really is. Now, what happens is most of us want to deal with the external pain. Okay, external pain is the pain that is happening to you. It's the pain that's happening to you. But what's more important is dealing with the pain that is happening inside of you. That's called your internal pain. So when we assess somebody uh, getting on a phone call with one of our coaches or one of our advisors, what we're always looking for is what is the actual pain this man is in? Because you might come to us and say, you know, my life's a mess. My wife is leaving me. She cheated on me. All this. I feel all these things. And those things are a result of the external stuff happening, not a result of what you are actually really, really dealing with. And so what I want you to understand is it's important for you to set a framework for yourself to go, okay, what I'm struggling with right now is not the actual thing. So however my wife is treating me, however these things are happening in my life, it's, that is not the actual thing that I need to be focused on. And not to say you don't need to pay attention to your marriage or those things, but I want you to get a journal and I want you to write down this question, what is underneath that pain? What is actually going on underneath the surface so that I might understand what is actually happening. So for example, if the pain of my wife leaving me is so unbearable and just, it feels hard and I, and I write down, this is the external pain. She is leaving me. I want you to then think about what's underneath that. Like what feelings come up from that? So you might say, well, I'm mad. Okay. Why are you mad? Well, I'm mad because she left me. Okay. What is that? What does that mean to you when somebody leaves you? It means that I'm not valuable. It means that I'm not worthy. It means that I'm not whatever. Like we want to attach meaning to it. 
Okay, so this is super, super practical. Normally my rants are not practical at all, but I wanted to give you guys this this morning because as I've been thinking about pain and we've been talking to a lot of guys um, coming into our program that are just a serious amount of pain, we've really come to this revelation that if a man can understand the core pain, he can understand then the core identity that's being attacked, right? So if you, for example, your core identity as someone who is supposed to be in relationship with people, or you see yourself as someone to be in relationship with people, but yet you have this abandonment, you have this rejection over your life, and it's been there your whole life. If we don't deal with that rejection abandonment, it doesn't matter if your wife comes back or not. Like none of that fucking matters because what matters is that you become whole and complete, lacking nothing, right? Your wife is not the thing that makes you complete. Your wife is a person that you are supposed to bring value to. And while you bring value to her, she brings value to you. It's the same thing with sex. Think about sex. The best sex comes from a man bringing everything he can to her in a way that's pleasing to her, not just himself. So if she turns you on and you're all about like, suck my dick, get on top of me, ride my dick, you know, give me doggy style. And you're like basically in this mode of take care of my needs, make me get off. The sex isn't fulfilling. It's one-sided. It's not the ultimate kind of thing that we want to do versus going to her and basically saying, what do you like? How can I serve you? What can I do for you? By doing that, you're then doing what? You're serving her. So it becomes not transactional sex. It becomes a two-way street. And by doing that, you've now fulfilled something. But look, you can't do that. You can't have that kind of sex. You can't have that kind of fulfillment in life if you're all about yourself, if you're all about your own needs. And men who are all about their own needs and all about their own selves comes from a place of narcissism. Doesn't mean you're narcissistic, but definitely narcissistic traits. We all have them. I have them. Every one of us has them, okay? But it doesn't mean you're a narcissist. It's selfishness. It's self-centeredness versus coming at it from a place of how do I surf? So if you're in all this pain, all this shit's happening to you, I want you to take a journal. I want you to write down these questions. I want you to write down, why am I in pain? What is really going on under the surface? And, and if you can do that, and if you can start to get to the, the source, the core pain, the shit that's been with you your whole life, you're going to start to open up doors. You're going to start to open up things in your heart you didn't even know were there. And it's going to help you move forward. You cannot move forward. I don't care if your wife comes back. I don't care what happens. You cannot move forward without understanding the core pain that is in your life. So go figure that out. Find that out. And if you need help with that, you know where to find us. All right. All right. All right. We are live with our next installment of this month's podcast. Well, I guess it's actually like a five-week episode series on what I call the lifestyle of ownership, lifestyle of ownership. For the last one, two, three weeks, we've been talking about ownership and we're gonna continue that for at least the next two weeks. And then we'll get into some other fun stuff as we move through February and March uh, in the Empowered AF version 2.0 podcast. Hope you guys are liking the new format. Um, look, join our Facebook group, empoweredman.co slash group. If you're not already in there, let us know how you're doing. And hey, if you like this podcast, please make sure that you leave a review, hopefully a positive 5.0 star review for us on Apple, preferably. I would appreciate you doing that. But let's get into today's episode. So for the last three weeks, we've been talking about ownership. And if you've missed those first three episodes, I highly recommend going back and listening to those episodes because each of those episodes will really help you gain an understanding as we 
continue to walk out what I call the five-dimensional man. The five-dimensional man is you thriving in these different dimensions of your life. You as a husband, you as a father, you as a leader, you as a producer, and you as a man, right? Each of those dimensions have different aspects who you are. Last week, we talked about you as a man. The week before, we talked about you as a father. The week before that, you as a husband. Even if you're not married, it still applies. Even if you're not a father, it still applies. You're definitely a man, so it definitely applies. And this week, we're going to talk about leadership. Now, as a, as, a, as a husband, as a father, you are a leader, right? You are already a leader. But when I talk about leadership from this perspective, in this dimension, what we're doing is we're getting very specific and granular to your actual leadership. And we're going to talk about leadership with yourself. We're going to talk about leadership with people. And we're going to talk about leadership with your future. That's right, your future self. So leadership to most people is telling people what to do, right? It's being in charge. And while I understand that leadership has an element of being in charge and telling people what to do and being the boss, et cetera, um, funny story, it seems like everywhere I go, and my wife could, could, uh, could, could uh, back this up, but anytime I go somewhere out to eat or a restaurant or a bar or something, everybody calls me boss. Even my old uh, mentor used to call me El Jefe. And I think that means boss in Spanish. And if not, send me an email, tell me I'm wrong. But they call me boss. And uh, she says it's because of the way I uh, carry myself, if you will. And that's just what people see, you know, in me, is they see me as, as boss. Um, I never saw that until the last few years. And I start, as I started to pay attention to my presence and how I showed up and how I carried myself, right? Leadership to me is, is none of the things of telling people what to do. It's not being a boss. It's not being in charge. Leadership has everything to do with your ability to impact and influence other people, situations, and things, if you will, for movement. The, the amount of impact, the amount of influence you have on a person or a situation dictates how much leadership you have. John Maxwell, one of my favorite leadership gurus of all time, has a saying that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And that has always stuck with me as I thought about my own leadership. How much influence do I have? Now, for this particular podcast, I'm not going to go into what I call my own five levels of leadership. There's five levels of leadership in, in uh, Good to Great, which is a great business book. Um, but I have my own five levels of leadership, and I'm not going to really go into those. But really at the pinnacle of it, it's where we are making such an impact, such an influence in other people that they are also now creating leaders from our leadership. But before we can get to that level of leadership, we have to be leaders with ourselves. We have to be leaders internally. And this is why it's important when we listened last week, we talked about how you're owning your shit as a man and how you're showing up as a man. Why? Because if you are not owning that internal external life, right, of what, I'm, what, it has, what is going on outside of my body, outside of, you know, maybe my food, my fuel, uh, how I'm dressing myself, how I'm carrying myself, all those things on the external and then on the internal, how I'm taking care of my own personal life, internally, my emotions, my mental health, all those things, taking breaks, breath work, uh, journaling, you know, prayer, meditation, whatever those things are. If I'm not taking care of those things, I can't lead other people. Why? Because you will lead from an empty cup. And the most powerful leaders know that they must spend time by themselves. They know that they must spend time 
not in the presence of other people, but in the presence of themselves, their God, their, their, their meditation, uh, whatever it is to get grounded, if you will, and to focus on oneself. And, it's, and it feels so counterintuitive, right? Because we think of leadership as selflessness, and it is selflessness. But true leadership is, is selfless coming from a place of an outward filling. And that means that, that I have filled myself so much internally that I actually have something to give back to people, that I actually have something to bring to people that I didn't have before because I have filled myself. And so when I, when I think about leadership with you, there's kind of two, two main aspects, and you'll, and you'll see this theme as we talk about with yourself, with people, and your, your future. But number one, to really ask yourself is, is how honest am I about my own habits and performance? How honest am I about my own habits and performance? You see, because if you can't be honest with how you're performing, you will never lead people. You will never lead or have impact or influence in situations because you yourself can't own your own shit. And what I mean by that is that if, it doesn't matter if you're in charge of something or not. You know, you could be the greatest janitor in the world and lead people or lead, period, by being really good at being a janitor. What I mean by that is if you look at a janitor's job, let's say it's to, you know, take out the trash and clean the toilets and all those things. How that janitor shows up and looks at his own responsibility, like, am I cutting corners? You know, am I throwing away all the trash or am I just like leaving some of the bags and like taking a few things out? Am I cutting corners doing things like that? Um, am, I, am I doing every single office or every single room? Am I taking care of all the things? Am I, am I washing all the dishes? Am I putting away all the things? Am I doing all the things that I say I'm going to do? And how's my overall performance? Right? That's why we have, when we have a job, we have a, a manager or somebody that we go to and we have them evaluate our performance. But true leadership starts with self-evaluation. It starts with self-performance evaluation. And not that you can't take outside uh, obviously, I believe in that. I believe in accountability, and we'll talk about that. But you must be able to keep yourself accountable. You must be responsible to yourself. So the first thing is you have to be honest about your own habits. You have to be honest about what are the things that you are doing, the things that you're allowing, the places you're going, all of those things. You have to be honest about that before you can be successful as a leader. So ownership, a lifestyle of ownership in leadership with yourself looks like owning your shit personally. It looks like you owning how honest you are with your habits and your performance and evaluating your own performance. The second part of that is responsibility. Responsibility with yourself. Are you responsible with the things that you have been given for you? Are you responsible with your diet? Are you responsible with your, with your kids? Are you responsible for your own uh, habits of reading or writing or are you responsible for those things? And are you taking responsibility for each of those things? And if you're not, then you definitely are not living the lifestyle of ownership, especially when it comes to leadership. Because as I've been building this whole uh, five-part series, my goal was that you would start to see that ownership isn't a one-dimensional or two-dimensional thing. It is a multivariant dimensional aspect. And that is it's a five-dimensional piece. And that is there are dimensions of ownership for your life that you may not always think about. And I want to bring those things to life because as men, if we want to live a fulfilled life, if we want to live a life that is full of joy, full of power, full of, uh, of 
of peace full of those things, then we must be able to own our shit in every dimension of life. I hear this all the time from guys coming to me and, and saying, oh, my wife wants to get out of the marriage and all this is happening. And I'm like, dude, you got to own your shit. And they're like, oh, I've owned my shit. Well, tell me, how, how have you owned your shit? Well, I, I apologize for that thing I called her that one time that made her mad. Okay, what else? Well, and, and then she told me that I wasn't really good at uh, bringing her flowers. And so I brought her flowers. I owned my shit. And I listened to that. I'm like, dude, do you, do you understand how childish that sounds? Because basically what you're saying is you only have the capacity to, to own one little thing or two little things that you did wrong, but ha have not the maturity and the wisdom to see the bigger picture that you created a habit, an environment in your home that said, I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good provider that I'm not good with, you know, intimacy. I'm not good with those things. And so instead of just owning it and saying, I've got to recognize all of it. You're only recognizing the one or two things that you feel like you can have control over. And this is why we do this is because instead of having control or instead of, instead of recognizing, look, we can't control all the things. What we can't only do is control us. We, we, we start to get insecure and inadequate and go, well, I know I can control giving her flowers. So I'm going to give her flowers. Or I know I can control uh, saying, I'm sorry. So I'm going to say, I'm sorry. And so we go, well, that's owning my shit. No, that's not owning your shit. That is just recognizing you made two mistakes. That is not owning your shit. Ownership is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. And I talked about this before. This, this, this concept of ownership is based on the book by Jocko Willing called Extreme Ownership. I dare you to go pick it up. I dare you to read it. I dare you to see what this man has done in his life of, of what actual ownership is, especially when it comes to leadership. Look, we have too many leaders who are not actual leaders. They are basically pansies who pretend to be leaders because they've given the title of leader and people quote unquote follow them because of policy or follow them because of their cult status, but they are not leaders. They don't own shit. They blame everything on everyone else. And we have a culture that is just full of that. And I'm calling men forward to say enough is enough. I'm not going to live that way. I am not going to espouse that kind of belief system. I'm going to espouse a belief system of ownership where I own my shit in all the dimensions of my life so that I can live a life of freedom, power, and confidence. So first we must lead with ourselves, then we must lead with people. We have to be honest with people about their performance. We have to be honest with people about how they are showing up. Now, this really only comes into play when you actually have the say in someone's life. Here's what I mean by that. If you don't have influence in somebody's life and you come up to them and say, hey, you're doing that wrong, hey, that's not right, that you're not supposed to do it that way. They're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, who, who are you? Why are you telling me what to do? Because with a lack of leadership, you're not able to influence or impact that person's life. Now, how, how, how do you get influence in someone's life? First, people have to know you care. They have to know that you care. Another great statement by John Maxwell is, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I love that quote. It's a simple euphemism or a simple saying but it really makes sense. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? They don't care that you're smart. They don't care that you have all these wisdom or ideas or all these things, right? What they care about is, do you care about me? Am I seen? Am I heard? Am I understood? Now think about this in context with marriage. How can you evaluate your spouse's performance? How can you evaluate how they're showing up? If you yourself, number one, are not owning your own shit, and they're not honest about your own stuff, 
what right do you have to tell her what she is doing wrong? This is where guys get into the moral high ground. But she cheated on me. She did this thing to me. Totally get that. Totally understand that. But first, you must own your own personal shit. And you must focus on that thing. I'm not saying you don't acknowledge what she did hurts. You can acknowledge what she did hurts. But don't take the moral high ground and act as if your shit doesn't stink. There's a principle in the Bible. Jesus talks about the fact that there's this guy who, who basically has, you know, this log in his own eye, but yet he's calling out the speck in his brother's eye. And he's like, hey, go take care of that log first. And that's what many of you men are doing is you're saying, oh, she's got this speck. This speck is in her eye, but yet you have this log, this log that's been there the entire marriage where you didn't give her intimacy, where you didn't focus on her needs, where you didn't do the things that you knew you were supposed to do as a husband because you didn't know how to get out of your own fucking way. And so when we call these things forward, you cannot be honest with someone until you've been honest with yourself. I always tell my team, I'm like, if you get on the phone with one of, one of the guys from a podcast or a Facebook group or, or anywhere else, you got to understand that 95% of the time, they're telling themselves a story. They're basically lying to themselves. They're lying to themselves. Why? Because it hurts. And so they have to create a story to make it feel better. And so if you get on with one of my guys, we're going to call you out on it. Not because we want to be mean or rude or any of those things, but because we want you to see that, hey, man, you are lying to yourself right now. And that lie is keeping you stuck where you are. And so we're going to lead you by having influence with you and help you understand what is actually going on and what is actually at stake. Because some of you throw up your hands and go, well, nothing's at stake. It doesn't really matter. I'll just go find another wife or I'll just go find another family or whatever. And it's like, dude, there's so much more at stake and it's your heart. Your heart is at stake. So the concept of being honest with people and keeping them accountable, being honest about their performance is key. Because if you can't, number one, be honest with yourself, you definitely won't be honest with people. And why is it important to be honest with people? Because we have to be kept accountable. If you're in a relationship with someone, especially where you are in a boss-employee relationship, or you have kids, or even in your wife, right? There is accountability that has to go back and forth. It's not just you keep her accountable. She also keeps you accountable to things. Everyone's different. Every marriage is different. Every, everyone's different for how they do that. But think about it in a job situation. You have to keep people accountable to their job. I know as a manager in my company, if I didn't show up every day at nine o'clock for a team meeting and didn't hold my team account to the things that they were supposed to do, nothing would get done. Now, some things would happen and some things would be great, but you would always have a culture of excuses. And I don't want a culture of excuses. I want a culture of accountability. Because leadership is inside of me, and I'm going to bring leadership to my team. I'm going to bring leadership to my business. I'm going to bring leadership to this community. I'm going to bring leadership to the world in the best way that I can and with knowledge that I have of how to and will do that because that's the, the value that I have. And that's what I want to bring to this world. So it's important for you to own your shit with people in this leadership capacity by keeping them accountable, by being honest with them about their performance. Being honest with what is actually happening and what you are seeing. But that can't happen until they know how much you care. So number one, with yourself, we're going to be honest with ourselves. Number two, once we're honest with ourselves, then we have the ability to be honest with them. But before we can be honest with them, we must have gained influence. We must have the ability to allow ourselves in. In Thrive Program, we talk about the idea of dropping a power triangle. And a power triangle is basically the simple concept that before we tell someone, tell our wife, tell somebody, 
you know, we're going to change something, we're going to do something. We first own our shit. We say, hey, I have allowed this to go on for a while and I did not stop it and that's on me. Moving forward, this is how I'm going to change it. This is what I plan to do. By doing that, you are asserting leadership you're, and you're coming at it though from a humble perspective. You're not just coming and saying, oh, this shit's all wrong. It's not how we're going to do it. We're going to do it this way now. That's being bossy. That's being whatever. There's no influence in that. But by coming and leading with a place of humility, hey, the way I've done this up to this point has been uh, unacceptable. And I'm not accepting that as the way I want to show up. I'm not accepting that this is the way I want to communicate with you. I want you to do better. And here's what I plan to do to do better. And I would love it if you would meet me there. That is a power triangle. That is accountability. And that's how you call people to account. The final part of this is with your future. With your future. You have to be honest about your own trajectory, where you are going. So many of you have zero trajectory. You just exist. And that's why it's hard for a lot of guys to be around me or to even hear my message. Look, if you've, if you've found my podcast exciting, if you've listened to my podcast and you're just like, man, I love what this guy says, it resonates with you, then you're in the right place. But if it offends you and you're like, oh, I can't deal with this guy, he's over the top, he's this, he's that, great. We'll, we'll part and uh, go, you know, blessings on you and, and whatever. Because what I'm looking for are the guys who don't just want to settle for the bullshit of the world. I'm looking for guys who want to fucking change the world and not just change the world in this big braggadocious way, but change the world by being an amazing husband, by being an amazing father that creates legacy within his own family. Some of you would do way more good focusing on just your own kids and your own family before you try to go do all these other things and try to save all these people. Guys, it took me 20 years of vision and dreams to get to the place I'm at right now. 20 years of sewing in, of being quiet, of listening, of learning, of doing the things that I was doing before I was able to step into what I'm stepped into now. And, the, and you know, people go, oh, you're growing fast in the trajectory. Dude, this has been going for a long time. You just didn't know about it. You didn't know my process. I didn't just show up one day and said, hey, I just decided I want to be this coach. This is what I'm going to do. No, it took years and years. I'm talking 15, 20 years of work on myself, my personal work. The shit I went through and the storms I prevailed through, helping other men along the way before I even decided to ever take on a client, to ever come to a place to say, I feel ready to do that. I want to serve other men through a business model called Empowered Man, and this is what we're going to do. But you have to be honest about your trajectory. You have to be honest about your trajectory. Your trajectory is going to be different as you go quarter by quarter, as you go month by month, as you go week by week. But as long as you have an idea of, this is where I am now, this is where I want to be, and this is my plan for getting there. But most of you don't have that. So you have to be honest. This is how you own your shit with your future. You go, future, I want to be here in this area of my life. I don't care if it's the, the man stuff, you know, the internal, external world. I don't care if it's with your wife. I don't care if it's with you personally. I don't care if it's with your job, how much money you want to make, any of those things. What matters is that you have a trajectory and you're honest about your trajectory. And once you understand your trajectory, the next thing you do is be accountable to your goals and to your projections. Your goals are the things you shoot for. Your projections are the things that you can dictate by your inputs. So your inputs are the things that you do in life. Say, for example, you want to read 20 books in a year. Okay, well, an input would be taking time once a day to read for an hour, right? So you go 
did I read for an hour once a day? Yes, I did. Did you do that the next day? No, I didn't. Did you do that the next day? Yes, I did. Did you do it the next day? Yes. No, no, no. Yeah, right. So then when you've done that, you can understand what your actual trajectory is for those goals. And being accountable to that means like actually being a, paying attention and go, am I working towards those things? Like right now, I have a deadlifting goal that I want to work towards. So I've had to break down backwards and go, okay, what is it going to take for me to get to the point where I'm repping that weight on a deadlift? What do I need to do? So I discuss with my trainer a plan to get there. We're going to do both upper and lower body stuff to do that. And then the next six weeks, my goal is to be there. And if I'm there, great. If I'm not, then I know what I need to do to work on to continue getting to that goal. But that only happens through accountability. But you have to be accountable to yourself before anyone else you can be accountable to. Like I, I, I get and I love the fact that we're, you know, we use accountability with each other. But ultimately, if that person goes away or that person doesn't check on you, you still have to be accountable to yourself. So guys, you can settle in that if you want. And you can go, well, I got my accountability buddy and he's going to call me up and all this stuff. At some point, though, you have to be accountable to yourself because that's what a lifestyle of ownership is. Well, guys, I hope this makes sense. I hope that this impacted you and your journey. If you're on the outside looking in, you want to get into our Thrive program, I want you to go to empowerman.co slash application. Empowerman.co slash application to apply to get into our Empowered Man Thrive program where we talk about ownership, we talk about leadership, we talk about communication, and we help you own your shit all through, whether it's your marriage, your business life, all the different things that you're going through. It doesn't matter what it is. We're going to help you do that. So if you're excited about that opportunity, go there, empowerman.co slash application. Till next time, I'll see you next week. We're going to talk about you as a producer. We're going to talk about how to own your shit as a producer. That's going to be exciting. I'm going to break down things called high value activities, skills, money mindset, et cetera, et cetera. I look forward to seeing you on the next one. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truth. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. We're in high school. Kids were on those D-ball stacks. Man, man, how's this kid squatting like 405 right now? How is this 15-year-old squatting 405? How's he benching 315? And here I am getting stuck in the bottom of the leg press, scaring the shit out of myself when I was 15 years old. True story. That really happened inside. All right. I got to hear about this. You got stuck in the leg press? Yeah, dude. When I was in high school, I had a zero period weight training, which meant I could choose to go to swim practice or water polo practice, or I could go to weightlifting. And most of the time it was easier to get away with not going to the weightlifting class than it was to not show up to swim. So one day, and this is before I really started taking working out seriously. Like I was, there were kids that called me Porky when I was in high school, just to give you an idea. By the way, if anyone tries to call me that in this day and age, that isn't my friend. Kick him in the teeth. I'm gonna have to, I'll do more than kick him in the teeth. Um, but as I was in high school, I go over to the leg press because I was like, oh, it's the only machine open. It's early in the morning. This is before I drank caffeine or really did anything like that. I get in the leg press, played on each side. And I'm not used to the leg press at all. And I bring my legs down and I'm good on like first four and I get to number five and I get all the way down and I go too low to the point where my butt kind of lifts a little bit. And at this point it's all done. 
it's all done. My knees are like into my chest. I can't oh even, feel my, dude, it's bad. And I'm like pushing and I'm like, <laughs> and my hands are on the thing. I'm trying to push you with my hands too. Like that's how much I shifted. And I got so scared that like my body was like slowly squeezed out of the chair. Like I was flipped up because I pushed myself all the way up and now my yeah. butt's up against the seat and I'm like trying to push it back up. I don't know what I was trying to do at this point. Four people walk over. One of the guys, he was the running back for our school. So he was like pretty stout. And he tells me, he's like, dude, just let it down. Just let it down. You're good. You're good. You're good. Dude, I literally had that much further to go before it hit the safety bar. (laughs) It just didn't even hit it once. And I'm sitting there like, (gasps) dude, it was so embarrassing. At least there was a safety bar. Yeah. Right. I'm glad that that existed, but still my ego was damaged from that. That was like 15 years old, probably one of the first times that I had used the high school gym and I got stuck in the leg press. Yeah. There is nothing like (laughs) being at a gym and trying to bench or do something like that with no spotter thinking, okay, I got this. I can do this. And you know, you're tired and you go for that last one and you're like, oh fuck, I'm done. Sounds (laughs) Sounds like somebody's ego needs some help there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've had that happen. I had that happen at a 24 hour fitness where I brought it down to my chest and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to do a nice little five by five. I go to push up my fifth rep and I'm like, (gasps) and I'm shaking and it just starts coming back down. And I'm like, (gasps) (laughs) and I'm like at this point trying to just get it up. So I just bring it down and I'm like, (sighs) I scoot it down my hips scoot my hips off the bench kind of dropped my knees down dropped it down onto the floor so what we're really saying is if you go to bench and you know you're going to get fatigued have spotter arms have have a backup spotter at least because i haven't had it happen then but i also don't try to do that anymore i think that was like when i was in my early 20s when my friday night was just going to the gym, taking like two scoops of pre-workout, going to the gym, and then going to sleep at like two in the morning. And I would repeat that pattern like every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's when I was working in a gym too. I used to see some weird shit when I worked in the gym. Like people, people fucking in the sauna, people going down on each other in the steam room. What? Yeah these like uh members but i mean like in the like in the men's locker room the women's locker room like this don't care it's a co-ed sauna oh well yeah yeah like i would walk in there dude it happens everywhere you can find like reddit forums of people sharing these things there would be times when we would have to go do a team clean this is not something our men should be listening to right now no right I can find a Reddit for him. We said it. I'm quoting him. Right. Don't, don't quote me on this. Who knows what happens now? Um, Who knows what you remember, get from that shit? Dude, it's like a cesspool. I remember even at gyms that have like just male and female sauna, steam room, stuff like that still happens. Like that used to happen in a gym. I'm going to mention them. Because I've already I've already torn them down on social media. Fit Athletic downtown. They used to have guys fucking in the saunas in the steam rooms there. <laughs> yeah, 
I can name at least five guys I know that are banned because of that, but I'm not going to because I like them. Dude, it's wild. What happens at like the private commercial gyms? Yeah. Like the big gyms. It's wild. There would be times you go to clean like the equipment, a little stain on the seat. Can fill in the blank with what the stain is from. <laughs> you know, Mark's going to his gym tomorrow. Right. Like, look at every oh, seat. Yeah, look at everything. He's, he's not even going to walk into the like men's room anymore. With yeah. My <laughs> trainer and I were always like, oh, I wonder if there are a couple. Oh, oh there are a couple. I bet they're fucking, yeah. Dude, that's a fun. We played that game when we were at the gym. Yeah. When well, we my were... gym is like that. It's it's basically people hooking up and whatever, looking. Your gym's like a country club almost. Yeah, man. basically. It that's, really is. Yeah. Like, it's Arizona. The girls are half-dressed everywhere. Yep. I mean, I think that's pretty much every commercial gym at this point, right? And the guys are just there like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dude, I have gym stories for days. Those are because you can watch the cameras and you can see people do, like, the weirdest shit. But it's wild. Well, we're, we're what a couple days away from New Year's resolution, where all the people that try to go work out do all these like weird workouts on everything. Yep. Like I, I sent my friend a a video. She works at a gym, and I was like, "Oh, have fun next week." And she's like, "No, please no," because it was like these guys and these girls just doing these, these awkward workouts with like cable machines. Like you ever seen the Spider Man one, where the guys supposed to be doing cable flies? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he has too much weight that he like goes upside yeah. down <laughs> yeah dude my brother and i do things like that at our gym when we work out together like i had the cable machine just the other day and i jumped forward and i was like ha, ha, ha. i was like jumping back and forth because we've gone to that gym since the grand opening and now in our area they closed down like four local gyms that were huge 24-hour fitnesses now there's only one so everyone goes to this one. It is the best people watching. Like doing cardio and seeing people do some of the most awkward stuff that people do at gyms. I'll, I'll take a video for you guys one of these days. I, I think the best people watching is always gyms and the airport. I love yeah. the airport. <laughs> airport, you're going to get some interesting people. Right. When we were in Maui, there definitely were some weird people. I was like, how these, how these, where are these people from? Like they're flying into Hawaii. Where the fuck are they from? They're just weird. And then people leaving is yeah, it's weird. Dude, what if the I had like a middle part? Yeah, you, I mean, I don't think you could pull that off. But like, if I just show up to our coaching calls from now on, like this. Oh, please don't. You almost look kind of uh, like German. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, that. What is it? Uh, not German. Nazi. Nazi German. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> The, the like the 1930s Germans. I mean, Jeez. we could almost do like the hairs of Mark through the time of Empowered Man at this point, like when he first started the different phases. It was, <laughs> it was actually this way, whatever. And then we, because like he was cutting it too far up, so then I I told him let's go back this way, so then it could be like normal, and so now it's normal. Got the hard part too. I always got the hard part. Yeah, gotta have that in there. See, I just kind of let my hair do whatever it's going to do. You don't have any hair. Exactly. But most people don't know that because Andrew always has a hat on. Exactly. What is life like as a bald man? It's great. I have zero, like literally it takes me like three minutes to like just shave my head every other day. 
and it's great. I have no product, right? Like you pick it. There is no product. There's no product that you put on it. No, man. That's because he lives in Pennsylvania. If he lived here, he'd have to like do stuff to like protect yourself from the sun. Does he? It, yeah. No. Does your head get sunburned? It doesn't anymore. So like the first like year I shaved my head like a couple times, but then you, you build that skin just like your other skin. So now I was just used to it. So, so it's probably like hard, like matted, <laughs> matted skin. It's like, it feels like a shark. <laughs> it's well, like a shark. Yeah. Like shark skin, you know? <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week. All right. QA for the week. I've got Steve Fulton here asking I've listened to the podcast about how to know when she's ready to come back to the marriage multiple times. She checked all the boxes after the last time. I put them in the past and moved in with her, but she didn't stop the affair. She's saying she chooses me. It's going to do the work. I want to believe it, but how can I? Now what? So, Steve, I think this comes back to what I talk about in the coming back to the marriage thing. Um, what it sounds like is you're really confused about your own emotions and what you want. I don't think you're ready to have her come back. And if that's the case, that's okay. So it sounds like to me, you're not sure if you're ready to forgive her more than you're ready for her to actually come back to the marriage. And that's okay, right? Um, it takes time. So if I were you, I'd be working with a coach. Um, our Thrive program would be a great place to do that, where we can help you work through those emotions or a therapist if you want to work through those emotions and understand what you're actually feeling, what your heart is actually saying before you even entertain the idea of her coming back to the marriage. I say go slow, deal with your emotions. You don't have to do it right away. Some people take years before they come back. Some people literally will have a friendship. They'll do things as a family together, but they're not technically back together until both parties have done enough work to where they're like, all right, we're, 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 we're in this. We're healthy. We're whole. This is very hard. Coming back from an affair is probably one of the hardest things that you can come back from. And some marriages temporarily come back, meaning that they think everything is good. And this is what commonly happens is they think everything's good, but one or both partners never fully work through the issues. And so it just dies again. And I hate for that to happen. Um, it happened in my own. Uh, it was part of my own story where I thought everything was good. I thought we'd work through our stuff. And apparently we didn't. So if that's you, uh, totally understand. But you got to give yourself a break, brother. You got to give yourself the space. Don't try to make it happen before it's time to happen. Uh, if you're confused, don't move forward. You don't want to move forward in confusion. You only want to make decisions out of a place of peace, not confusion. Hope that helps. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.